0: In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit one God Amen. Uh, Tonight we will study together Psalm 57. Each psalm has an introduction, a title. Unfortunately, these titles are not written in Coptic Reader. But the title Uh, for Psalm 57, says to the chief musician, said to don't destroy a mishtham of David when he fled from Saul into the cave. Let us understand the title. The title indicates that it was directed to the Chief Musician. Some commentators said the Chief Musician is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. But others supposed to be the leader of choir or leader of musicians in the time of David, like Heman or Asaph. Then it is said "Set to do not destroy. So do not destroy is regarded as a mu- musical expression. Maybe do not destroy are the first words of some well-known hymn in order to show that this song was to be set to the music which was applied in using this hymn. Like for example, when we say, this hymn is like hymn, Rejoice O Mary, said to Rejoice O Mary, then means we will sing this hymn as we chant Rejoice O Mary. Uh, other suggest that do not destroy is the tune of this song. David was in a cave. King Saul was chasing him. So he is saying, Do not destroy, protect me, O oh Lord. Tam of David. Most of the commentators said, Tam means gold. So Mishtam of David means a golden psalm written by David. So the quality of this psalm like golden. Some said Mishtam means secret. Then the occasion of the psalm when he fled from Saul into the cave. We know this happened twice, when you read 1st Samuel, you will find that uh, David fled from Saul into a cave twice. So this psalm was written to commemorate his escape from King Saul in the cave of Angat. Where Saul had entered without knowing that David was hiding there, and David cut off the corner of his garment to tell Saul, It was in my hand to kill you, but how can I stretch my hand out to the anointed of the Lord? Or the other cave that I told you it happened twice. This cave can be the cave of Adelam. 1 Samuel 22 from verse 1 to 5. So this psalm, like Psalm 56, is an earnest prayer for suffering and persecuted men. So when we feel that we are persecuted or we are suffering, this psalm is one of the beautiful Psalms that we can pray during this time. Also, it can be a prayer of a suffering nation or a suffering in church. Even though David was hiding in a cave as King Saul was chasing him, he doesn't or he didn't write a psalm of complaint or blaming God. Rather, he glorified God, as we will see. Yes, he does desire deliverance, but his primary goal is to praise God and to praise his glory. The desire of David for God is to be known and to be praised throughout the earth. And he is asking God to use this occasion of deliverance toward this end. So when you deliver me from the hand of Saul, that all the nations, all the earth will praise you. So that is the ultimate goal in David's mind. Also verse 9 was quoted in the New Testament in the letter of St. Paul to Romans. That's why this psalm is a Messianic psalm, meaning this psalm also can be applied for the Lord Jesus Christ. So if David was victorious and conqueror, then Jesus, the son of David, is also a conqueror and victorious. If David has submitted all his enemies, the Lord Jesus Christ, rather done more than this on the cross and by his uh, resurrection, This psalm also is one of the psalms we pray in the sixth hour of the Iqbiyya. Second psalm in the sixth hour of the Iqbiyya. And in the sixth hour we commemorate the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if this psalm is about deliverance from uh, trouble, it fits the sixth hour of the way in which we commemorate the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. This psalm is a short psalm, only 11 verse. 11 verse. verse 1 to 3, a prayer of a suffering, trusting soul. Suffering, trusting soul. Verse 4, a description of a dangerous enemy. Verse 5, a desire that God might be exalted and honored. From verse 6 to 11, thanksgiving and praise. So, I'm going to start with verse 1. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. The beginning of this psalm is like Psalm 56, the previous psalm. He opened with a request for God to show him mercy. The need was so great the need for mercy and urgent that David repeated the request twice be merciful to me O God be merciful to me and David is asking God not based on his merits or his worthiness but he is appealing to the mercies of God although he was in great danger but he did not complain about his situation he knew God's mercy was greater so he did not say why God this happened to me rather he told him be merciful to me oh God be merciful to me he appealed to the fact that Only God could provide him with the true safety. He had nowhere else to go. There was no one on whom he could rely but God. According to St. Augustine, the Lord Jesus Christ himself cries out praying to teach the believers how to cry out and how to seek in the midst of anguish until these calamities have passed by and they come to enjoy the hope of resurrection. So as David cried in the midst of his calamities, as the Lord cried in Gethsemane before his crucifixion, also when we are in difficult time, we need to pray and cry we say with David until these calamities have passed by. St. Augustine says, For to this end he prayed, in order that he might teach us how to pray. To this end he suffered, in order that he might teach us how to suffer. To this end he rose again, in order that he might teach us how to hope for rising again. David said, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you, and in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge. It's a beautiful metaphor from the care of the mother bird for her young when danger threatens the young birds run to the mother for shelter so David is saying to God you are my refuge I will find my comfort under your wing I will be hiding under your wing Also, David found comfort in the truth that God is the sovereign ruler over his creation and nothing could prevent God's purposes. He trusts God as he said, I, my soul, trust in you. Then in verse 2, He said I will cry out to God Most High, to God who performs all things for me. So David is appealing to God because he is the Most High. Most High means the supreme ruler of the world, the sovereign ruler over his creation and nothing could prevent God's purposes. Most High is titled referring to God's transcendence above the world and its problems. Also David said about God who performs all things for me. A title which implies God Willingness, God's willingness to help us anytime, who performs all things for me. The word here that's translated performs properly means to bring an end, to complete, to perfect. So, God who perfects all things for me. St. Augustine says, if he, God, is the Most High, how come that we hear him cry out? How a man cries out to the Most High. But David cried to God the Most High because he trusted that God would listen to him based on previous experiences, that God performed all things for him. If he, even before I search for him, has performed all things for me, if God performs all things for me even sometimes without asking, and he gives us more than we ask or expect or understand, then will he not listen to us when we cry out to him? In verse 3, He shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. Salaam. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. The Psalmist did not say, "He shall send from heaven and save me by an angel or by a miracle or by a storm." But he felt that help comes from God directly, and he was sure that it would come. He sends from heaven. He, God, will certainly put to shame and reproaches those who would swallow me up and he will deliver me from my enemy's rage. Knowing that God would intervene, as he said, he shall send from heaven and save me, demanded a pause for contemplation and reflection. That's why after he said this, there is word sila. Sila means pause for reflection. After he said, God will send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. Then after these words, we need to pause to reflect on the kindness, on the mercies, on the Long-suffering on the justice of God Sila. Then he said God will send his mercy and his truth His mercy by saving David God will manifest his mercy His truth His faithfulness to those who put their trust in him. He will show himself true to all promises that he has made. He made promises. So when he delivered David, then David will say all his promises are true, he is the truth. But I want you to notice when he said, God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. The two terms, mercy and truth, came personalized, referring to a being, thus referring to the person of our Lord Jesus Christ in his deliverance and salvation for mankind. St. Augustine says, Christ himself we find to be both mercy and truth. Mercy in suffering for us, truth in judging us. By Christ, when sent forth, grace and truth occurred. As we read in John chapter 1, verse 14, And the word, the Logos, became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth so when he said God will send grace and truth or mercy and truth he is speaking about the person of our Lord Jesus Christ verse 4 my soul is among lions. I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire, whose, tooth, whose, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. So, having expressed his dependence on God. From verse 1 to 3, David described his dangerous situation with intense, clear, striking metaphors. He used the word in one verse, the word lions, fire, spears, arrows, and swords. So these words explain the intensity of emotion expressed by David. He had many reasons to believe his enemies were much more powerful than he is. In describing his great disadvantage, he hoped to appeal to the mercies of God. So David occupied the cave while around him People like lions surrounding him. That's why he said my soul is among lions. The soul of Christ also was among lions when he was apprehended by a great multitude with swords and clubs that came with Judas to take him. He was among lions when Jesus was in the high priest's hall where they spat in his face and beat him. He was among lions when he was in the common hall of Pilate surrounded by the Roman soldiers. He was among lions when he was surrounded on the cross with the crowd of common people, priests, and elders who were reproaching him and challenging him. And so the souls of the believers are often among lions persecuting men and satan. And the principalities of satan who is compared to roaring lion as Saint Peter said my enemy is like a roaring lion and Saint Paul said, but God delivered me from the lion's mouth, referring to Nero. So although we are lying among lions, but we are wonderfully preserved as Daniel was preserved in the lion's den. Another description about these people, he said, I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire. Set on fire, who are from hell. As we read in James chapter 3 verse 6, the tongue is a fire. It is set on fire by hell. So they are mere troublemakers that are continually breathing out their wrath and their hostility. Who threatened to devour David with their sharp teeth and to pierce his soul with their cruel cruel tongues. That's why he said, whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. As the tongue is said to be set on fire by the devil in James chapter 3 and Satan stirred up Saul against David filled him with wrath and fury so that he breathed out nothing but flaming vengeance aggression and slaughter against him but see here He's saying, I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire. So, some commentators think the meaning here is that David is now able to lie down, even though the enemies surround him like lions. Because of the great faith in God, I lie among lions, not fearing them. They believe that this is David describing the safety he is experiencing with God such that he can be at rest even though surrounded by those who want to devour him. Verse 5. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be be above all the earth. So David immediately transitioned to praise after explaining his fear in verse 4. Rather than allowing his mind to be occupied by his own trouble, he set his mind on God above. David was ultimately concerned for the exaltation Of God above the heavens. The thought of man's cruel enmity naturally leads up to the prayer that God will manifest himself in majesty. When we are suffering usually we pray asking God to manifest himself in majesty. He is asking God to show himself to be God who is in heavens and are higher than his enemy by saving him. So that he and those that are with him may magnify the Lord and exalt his name together. So, from the confusions of the earth, David looked up to God. Then he recognized that God was worthy to be exalted high above the sky to the highest degree possible. David correctly reasoned that his problems all came from earth. That's why he would glorify God above all the earth. God was worthy of David's praise more than any crisis or danger on earth. So instead of putting his mind on the crisis on earth, he actually put his mind on God. David used his trial to bring glory to God who was seated above in sovereign rule. Verse 6. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have dug a pit before me into the midst of it. They themselves have fallen. In verse 5, David's soul soared above the heavens. Now, in verse 6, he is back down in danger of going into the pit, his enemies prepared to trap him. David again expresses the danger he is facing, this time using the imagery of a trap that a hunter might use to entangle an animal's feet with a net. It denotes the deceitful ways used by King Saul and his men to get David into their hands. Also, we said this psalm can apply for the Lord Jesus Christ or for anyone who is suffering or persecuted for the name of Christ. So, the David, the Pharisees consulted together how they might entangle Christ in his talk, as if they want to make a trap to catch him. Whatever David might do, and whichever way he might turn, his enemies were ready to entrap him in some way or another. So the grief of David was so intense that David's soul was bowed down. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. Also the soul of Christ was bowed down with the sins of his people and with a sense of divine wrath because of them, he said, my soul grieves unto death. Also, the souls of the believers are often bowed down because of sin or because of Satan's temptation or various affliction and persecution and sometimes because of divine abandonment. Then he said, they have dug a pit before me. Into the midst of it they themselves have fallen. So David did, said this with the anticipation of faith, because he wrote this psalm before anything of deliverance happened at all. Convinced that God will manifest his authority, the psalmist sees the plans of his enemies turning to their own defeat. Saul hunted David, but David caught him more than one time and might have killed him on the spot. It had not yet happened, but he knew that it would happen that his enemies will fall into the pit. Falling into the pit whether in this life or next life justice will be served. Those who plan evil will have evil before them. St. Augustine says for their persecuting Christ when the Jews persecuted Christ, to Christ did no harm. Nothing happened to Christ. He rose from the dead. But to themselves, it hurt. So what they did to Christ, it hurt them. And do not suppose, brethren, that themselves alone has this befallen. But everyone that prepares a pet for his brother, it must means be that himself fall into it. Verse, verse 6, and with Silah. Again, calling for people to quietly reflect on these truths that his enemies prepared a pit to catch David, but they have fallen into the same pit. Verse 7 My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. So the Son began with David twice appealing for mercy. Be merciful, O God, on me. Be merciful, O God. Now, David twice expressed his steadfastness in the Lord, his confidence in the Lord. Although he was alone in the cave and troubles around him from behind and ahead, but he was able to let his heart to be steadfast to God. Yes, he was ready to be bowed to bow down, but now he has through God's grace conquered his fears and is fixed in the steadfast belief of God's promises. Knowing that God would carry him through another trial, he became more interested in proclaiming the God he knew, rather than the fear he felt. He, he has a full assurance of his merciful help, God's merciful help. And the steadfast heart leads to a singing heart. A steadfast heart leading to a single heart, a singing heart. That's why he said, My heart is steadfast, O oh God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. In a spiritual sense, a heart fixed and established is one that's assured of its salvation by God, rooted and grounded in the love of God, firmly built on the foundation which is Christ and is unmoved from the hope of the gospel and its doctrines by whatsoever he would the world offers. So if my heart is steadfast, I will be confident in my salvation, rooted and grounded in the love of God the Father. He wants my salvation. Firmly built on the foundation. Christ is the corner stone, And is unmoved. Based on the hope of the gospel. And its doctrines. By whatsoever the world offers. Verse 8. Awake my glory, awake lute and Harp. I will awaken the dawn. David's heart was so overflowing with joy that he exclaimed, Awake my glory, awake youth and harp, his musical instruments and his musical powers which have slept as it were while he was in affliction. But the word glory, some understood it as tongue, others understood it as the soul itself, the glory of any human being, his soul. David had been in great distress His soul was bowed down. He had hung his harp upon the willow, as we read in Psalm 136. But now he calls upon his soul to stir up himself to to the work of praise. Many fathers think that the lute and harp are symbolic meaning referring to the believers' body, talents, energies that awake to to the praise and glory of God. Saint Jerome says, Awake my glory, awake. Let this be our thought. The reference here is to the glory of the Savior that the apostles have perceived in the humanity of his body and so by keen eyes not what is visible but what is hidden in the body so when we read awaken my glory my glory according to Saint Jerome refers to the soul and the glory that was seen in the Lord Jesus Christ the apostles around the Lord Jesus Christ, they saw the glory, not in a visible way, but hidden in the body of Christ. They felt they felt his glory. And since, as I told you, this son is Messianic, St. Augustine believes that the lewd and harp are the work of the Lord Christ, whether according to the divinity, like performing miracles, or according to his manhood, like feeling hungry and thirsty and falling asleep. So, according to St. Augustine, this verse proves the divinity and humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ, which are united together without mingling, without confusion, without alteration to the end of the this unity. Awake my glory, awake youth and harm! I will awaken the dawn. I will awaken the dawn. This actually expression to show his zeal and diligence. He will rouse up and employ all the powers of his soul and body to set forth God's praises. St. Augustine believes it is the resurrection of Christ when he says, "Eh, I will awake the dawn. St. Augustine said, I suppose that here you now perceive the Lord rising. Verse 9, I will praise you, O Lord, among the people. I will sing you among the nations. So from this cave, David could envision his song of praise extending to the nations and among the people. And this is exactly what happened. Until now, we are using this song in our prayer every day in the sixth hour of the day, So his joy is so great to be limited, to be limited within any narrower limits than those of the entire earth. David purposed in his heart to let the peoples and the nations know that when he was in trouble, it was that one true God who could be called upon for deliverance. Father Onsimus of Jerusalem said about prophet David that by the spirit of prophecy David saw the Gentiles and pagan nations receive faith in Jesus Christ. I will sing among the people, among the nations. This prophecy was fulfilled uh, after the descent of the Holy Spirit Uh, and St. Paul used this verse in Romans 15 verse 9 and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written for this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles, and sing to your name. David's heart and song soared unto the clouds in spite of being in a cave. He exalted the mercy and the truth of God, even from difficult circumstances. As we read in verse 10, For your mercy reaches unto the heavens and your truth unto the clouds. So, David gives a reason why he will praise God among the people and nations. Because mercy and truth which reach from earth to heaven Need the whole world praise. Imagination failed to, fath- to fathom the height of heaven. No one can know the height of heaven. Consequently, the riches of mercy exceed our highest expectation and thoughts. Also, the resurrection of Jesus Christ caused the heavens and all the powers therein to exalt and praise the mercy and truth of God. Verse 11 Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. That's the last verse. So the psalmist concluded fittingly with repetition of verse 5. Verse 11 is a repetition of verse 5. He now looks beyond his own immediate needs and he is looking to the perfect universal sovereignty of God which is the final goal of hope. The God who made heaven and earth is the God who is to be exalted above the heavens and earth? It is important to remember that David's circumstances did not change when he put the conclusion of the psalm. He is still in cave, lying among the lions. Yes, he was delivered from the immediate danger in Gath. But a cave was a long way from the throne of Israel, which God had promised him. I want you to notice that David did not wait for his circumstances to change before praising God. He did not say, when circumstances will change, I will praise him. We can see the freedom of David's spirit. He saw the deliverance before it happened and praised God before it was fulfilled. Though in a cave his soul glorified God above all the earth, not content merely to speak of God's greatness, David exploded with praise. And just as before we see that David's prayer was not limited to complain concerning his own distress, David was being affected by King Saul's evil intention and was experiencing bad things. But he trusted that God will redeem him. And God will grow him to be the servant of God. God could still use David and show his glory, even though David was in terrible circumstances. God can take anything one is doing and use him to be his instrument. So God can use anything in us and make us his, his tools and instruments. Like when Saint Paul was in prison, God accomplished his purpose. When Saint Paul was travelling, God accomplished his purpose too. Even when St. Paul was persecuting saints, God's will could be accomplished as those Christians went into the world preaching the good news of Jesus. So these people who were persecuted spread all over the world preaching the good news of Jesus. So even in persecution, God fulfilled his promises and his will. So this psalm is a beautiful psalm. It uh, shows how David cried to God when he was in trouble, lying among the lions. But trusting God, he ended by a song of praise to the Lord. This concludes Psalm 57, Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.